That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey guys, it's Jen and Julian. You are listening to episode 24 of X Appeal. And I am having Braxton Hicks contractions. Um, that is a fact. <laughs> yeah. Change of uh, scenery today. We're at Jen's house. Yeah. Yes. Well, as you can see, th- shit's not done yet. So I'll just, I want to make that clear before anybody you wanna, hops on the judge train. For people who see, they want to see that you have a chair. Hops on the judgey train. And, so, okay. As you can see, no I have couch. a, I have Sophie's um, ramp to get <laughs> up on the, on the couch that doesn't exist. So thank you, shipping delays. Thank you, holidays, whatever this is. Thank you, Macy's. You guys suck. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but you do. Yeah. Like we, we, this couch, we literally ordered it in May. And they said, oh, yeah, okay. So this won't be here until August. Mm-hmm. August turned into October. And now October is turning into December. So we're not going to have a couch but you see what I don't understand Until is like December. there's so many places we can buy a couch. And like if I had to wait a mo- two months for my couch, I would have canceled the order and just gone. Well, to- I'm not doing this again. Like there's, if, there's so many. If it's there's- delayed one more time, I'm going to restoration hardware or I'm going to go. some boutique where you probably have to pay out of your ass. No, to listen, get a not couch too far to- from here. You have a restoration hardware outlet. And you have amazing yeah, couches for like the, two is grand. Is it going to have the color that we want? They have, lo- they the have problem, like Julie. 30. Look, we have, one. we have an entire system back here and we're looking for a dark blue couch. So uh, anybody who's listening, if you have a dark blue couch that you want to get rid of, that doesn't have any stains on it, you know the help same, a sister out. The same thing is actually happening to me too. Um, I ordered an Iron Man helmet in January of 2021 uh, and i still haven't uh, received oh it. i really feel your pain yeah so i, I, I actually really, i really know what you're going through. i'm really sad i'm really sorry i miss halloween i, I really couldn't have my, my iron man helmet it's an iron man helmet that like opens up electrically and five? all that stuff how old are you i'm 32 <laughs> and proud iron man fan what'd you do for <laughs> halloween then um i worked I worked most nights because I was working and I was like, uh, work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We had like okay. those big events like marshmallow and all that stuff spinning. Uh, and I dressed up as trash. I saw that. Yeah. I, you dressed up as your ex. Yeah. Right? So I, like, I, was, I had a trash bag ex. on top of me, like on me. And then I had your ex written on it because your ex is trash. I love that. There you go. Yeah. you'd be. Sur- I was surprised the amount of people who agreed with They're my like, costume same girl yeah it's like oh my god that is so my ex can i take a picture yep if you were single that'd be a good way to pick up the the ladies that's but all i'm saying you know what like um my dad always says i know where you're trying to we just didn't do the single stuff <laughs> yeah, but yeah we'll get back to it okay my dad always said like you should never talk shit about your ex no i, I think it's i think it's a good idea to not talk shit about your ex you especially know? in front of a new person yeah but just generally speaking because if you think about it you s- you, you dated them. them. So if you should talk about them, then... What does that say about you? Yeah, what does judgment? that say about you have shit taste? 
There mm-hmm. you go. So it that's says exactly more value. So maybe we should talk about your ex. You know, that's exactly what it says. But, also, you shouldn't talk shit about your ex in front of the new the new person because we pay attention to that stuff. Yeah, of course. I don't know if you know this, but like you know, when I'm when I'm dating somebody, if it's somebody new, um, then if if I hear them talking shit about their ex girlfriend, I'm like, well, is are you going to be saying these same things about me someday? <laughs> so you're already thinking of when you guys are going to be ex. Yeah. That's nice. That's what I think about whenever That's I start nice. to date yeah. somebody. I think about how it's going to end. That's a great <sighs> attitude going in. Do you care, by the way? Because I, like, I know in my relationship, I never ask about the ex. I could not care less. Their ex is for a reason. I'm and, like, so intrigued. Really? I've asked Jared a thousand times about his dating history. And he won't give it up. Like He, he just, maybe it's because he knows better. I don't know, but he just, he won't tell me those kinds he of doesn't, details. Yeah, it's and I want to so know, like, funny. I want to know everything. Like, I want to know, like, was the sex good? Like, you know, uh, what does she do for a living? <laughs> um, is she more successful than me? Is she smarter than me? Is she, <laughs> is she taller than me? Is she skinnier and prettier than it, me? She's, it's not, it's, she's not. I want to know. Picture. I want to know everything. All the dirty details. You don't want to know that stuff? So it's funny because I have the exact same, does he asks you? Does he ask I, you? Well, I, I kind of willfully give it up, which oh. is, is not a good idea. So uh, I say too much. My, my girl, she, you know, like she's one day, I think she said something. She's like, if we're ever in a room and there's a girl around us that you slept with, I want to know. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, no. Like, what does it bring but, to... But no, no, she said she wants to know, so I will say it. Yeah. But in my mind, I'm just like doesn't matter. Like I'm with you. I, I don't care about this person. I'm not, yeah, you know, but yeah. is she asking from a place of like morbid curiosity or is she asking because she just wants to know like who she is? Probably. What- I mean, listen, I understand. I can understand how like, you know, you, you know, let's say you, you, you're, you're at a party and then you're chit chatting with this one person and you guys really like each other. And then you find out that person like, you know, had sex with your current boyfriend and like they dated i could see how i'd be like ah yeah i get that i get that but like if we're in a random party and there's 50 people in and this is one girl that i slept with and we're not even talking to her i I, to me again she wants to know i will tell her i'm an open book but i don't to me it's like eh. it just like and me i don't want to know i don't care it's like whatever you want to know who she who she slept with in the room you wouldn't be even a little curious no, unless it's really important. But to me, it's like, you know, if, if there's something she wants to share about her ex, no problem. You know, we can talk about it because I'm going to understand it's an ex and, and, and stuff. And if it's, you know, especially if it has anything to do with how she handles our relationship. Absolutely. But I'm not, I'm generally not really curious about what you guys do? How was the sex? Uh, how does he look? All and, of and it. I, but I do know that one of her ex, I guess, is like some some, some like douchebag, and that uh, I guess um, when you know, I, I, I guess I look better, so it's kind of like um, okay, so a it's nice like it's win in a sense ego. for me. Yeah, it's, it's like validation nice. for you. So this, I don't mind. Right. No, I mean, as long as it goes that way. Yeah, of <laughs> course. The other well, way. Yeah. She was, if if she's like a Chris multi-millionaire Hemsworth, like, and yeah. Jesus Christ. And yeah, like you a, this man? a massive schlong, then maybe, then maybe you wouldn't want to know that information is on site. A massive schlong? No, because if it's too big, it's not good. Oh, God. And I don't have a small schlong, so I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so I'm not, no complaints. I, it's not massive, but it's good. I'm 6'2". It's proportionate. So you're right. 
You're yeah. not a kickstand. Um, no, kickstand. I've never heard that before. <laughs> You've never heard that? No. Or a tripod? A tripod, yeah. A third yeah. leg. Yeah. I heard baby's arm too. Yes. Baby's arm. I like baby's kickstand. arm. Kickstand. It's really a... It's, um, well, let's not talk about my baby, okay? <laughs> let's not... <laughs> but, if, but while you're asking, yes, he does have... A penis? He is gifted, apparently. I'm, you can't tell shit at That's that That's what age. the ultrasound tech said. She was like... Oh, and then she she pointed it out and she said, all mm. right, okay. Oh, so little. She said, it's not small. And I'm like, well, that's great. He's hung. That's it must awesome. Be all the, it must be all the burritos that I've been feeding myself. <laughs> so basically, no, you're not talking about. Your, no, you ask him about his ex. He doesn't really want to share time, much. Not, he doesn't say anything. He, he's, he's like, you know, I mean, he'll say like bits and pieces, but we don't talk about so it. He's like me. Do you get yeah. mad? I get like weirdly this is weird. Okay. But I'm going to say it. I get like weirdly jealous slash maybe a little turned on by it. Ah. just because I'm like, Ooh, there's competition. Yeah. He's dated some pretty girls I before. And like, you know, that means that makes him like, okay, okay. Like now I have to maybe try a little harder. You know, I kind of, it's, it's yeah, a big, it's a big competition thing. I can't explain where that comes from. But you do realize that it's somewhat weird that like you ask a question to your man he doesn't want to answer. <laughs> you force him to answer, and then you you get mad at, mad no, at the answer. It's never, like, it's never mad. It's never it's mad. Okay. I never get mad. I okay. always want to know. Okay. And I'm always prepared for the answer. Um, okay. You know, listen. I know he's dated girls who are like super successful. Like, uh, like he's dated several like high powered lawyers. Mm -hmm. He had a girlfriend who he lived with for seven years. Okay. Who his mother still talks to. Ooh. and still has to send you but it's like a friendly relationship it's like it's almost like you know if god forbid if jared and i ever broke up i can see her and i still talking okay. you know what i mean yeah well, especially um, she's just like a nice person carry like his that. baby so yeah, yeah <laughs> that's true talk. yeah that's true um so it's 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 not uh anything that makes me upset yeah but sometimes he gets upset whenever i talk about my exes mm. Um, and I think it's just like, you know, I don't want to hear about it. Cause I know that you guys have been intimate and like, I don't want to imagine those details do. So here's yeah, my question. That. Do you guys get more jealous about the physicality of it all? Yeah, they do. Yeah, I think so. Okay. It's the idea of like some other dude, like effing your girl, you know? Yeah. But everybody has a past. No, I get it. But that's the one thing that are like, we're not really, we don't really care about like knowing about this and then if we know it's just gonna be like because we like knowing that this is ours right it's like this is ours it's like an ownership thing yeah it's like this is mine you know? I, I just want it noted that in the how many minutes have we been talking right now mm -hmm. 18 minutes mm -hmm. it's gone from 36 percent to 22 percent yeah your 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 laptop is trash it's spiraling <laughs> that's why it's, i'm telling you i'm it's telling you when will you ever say jen you know what you're right yeah, I get it. But like I, for those of you who listen, I had to drive here to set up her setup because as we all know, uh, she's about to give birth. So we're going to start doing a few episodes remote. So Jen has a home setup. Yeah. So I appreciate the the sacrifice. So, no problem. Driving to Playa Vista. Hell yeah. In so the middle of a construction zone, which it, has stopped. been really quiet. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. They were Hopefully they won't start up again in the middle of us talking to Dr. Justin Garcia from the Kinsey Institute. Who is coming. He's going to talk to us about what? Single studies? So every year the Kinsey Institute does this big singles in America study. And before they, you know, obviously last year we were like right in the height of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So 
uh, things were much different than they are now. So I'm curious uh, what's changed and and what's new because he mentioned a couple of the trends and I'm like really interested in that. Okay. So, so let's did, wait. Yeah. Did you have any talk to me about your dating? Oh well, I guess you met Jared during the pandemic. I met Jared during yeah. So so we went on. I met Jared during the pandemic. We went on like four um, Facetime dates. Before we actually met in person. Yeah. And hey, regarding our last podcast, did you end up uh, yep. doing the coconut oil and not the coconut oil? But, but things have gotten better. You know, I've, I, I got out right? of my, I got out of my head. Yeah. Was that right? Yeah, you're right. Oh you're right. God, I, I got out of my it. head a little bit and they didn't make the whole relationship better. I mean, it, it kind of like it, it just, I get it. I, I get where you were coming from and where he's coming from it, as far as like feeling attractive and desired mm -hmm. and yeah. you know and like sometimes yeah i might not feel sexy myself but you got to give it to but the lo but he loves me and like yeah. he doesn't care what i look like which is amazing because like you know the reason i look like this is because i'm carrying his child yeah so it's a beautiful thing it's it's a nice it's a to, nice release i just have to get there mentally and and to be honest you know not too much longer this that's it and also i told you it's going to be like away. quick Quick little release. That's fine. You know, it's quick. It's fine. You know, when I used to listen to, I used to watch like Sons of Anarchy. And yeah. I remember uh, the the woman, I think her name is Kate. The woman that plays yeah. her mom, his mom. Yes. What's her name? I forgot. Kate Siegel? Kate Siegel. She has a line at some point to a new girl, a young girl that is joining the crew, right? Mm -hmm. And he, she's she's in love with this one biker in the crew. And, and she as they leave, the guys leave, she tells to the mom, she says to the mom, she goes, oh, I hope he knows that I love him. And she looks at him, you know, she's like the old, like, yeah, OG she's of the like show. the old, no bullshit. Yeah. yeah and she goes like, oh, honey, men don't care about that. <gasps> she goes, men just want to be wanted and women want to be loved. And I remember hearing this and I was like, oh, okay. And then that I was like, wait, fact. hold on. Hold on. Yes, that is so fucking yeah, true. That's accurate. I was like, wow, Sons of Anarchy pulling some deep, 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 <laughs> deep stuff on me. Some deep it it uh, relationship me. wisdom. So yeah, anyways, your, your dating during the pandemic was very different. It was different. Four yeah. FaceTime dates. Yeah, we had four FaceTime dates. Then we went out in per, you know, for for dinner in person. Outside. Outside. Yeah. <laughs> Outside. Uh, and and uh, it, at first, I didn't believe that he was an ER doctor because I'm like, he's too cute. Like he's too cute. He's too like he's too funny. Can't have it all. Mm -hmm. God doesn't give people it all, you know. So, so we went out. Yeah, and we had like a great time. And we had our first kiss that night. And I remember exactly how it happened. He was showing me gory. Uh, videos and pictures from his his like you know work, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god! I just, it just I don't know. It just like made me like like all like oof, like super impressed that he can fix people. Yeah. And then we just like started making out. Uh, it you know after after watching like Where? an X ray of somebody sticking something up their butt. That's hilarious. Yeah. Where would you make out? Uh, I actually forget where it was now. Were you scared um, of COVID? When you're making out, when you're like, oh my god, I hope he doesn't. I was a little afraid of that. I was yeah. a little afraid of that, but you know, he's very careful. He yeah, he never he got it. He never got COVID. You know, awesome. knock on knock on whatever this is. Marble, laminate. Marble. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, during the, the entire time. That's so, so funny. Fast forward to to now, and it couldn't be better. Could not be better. I remember having uh, a new pandemic, like mid pandemic. 
uh, at some point I, I went on a date with someone and like our first date was at a park. Yeah. Because everything was closed. Yeah. And you couldn't be indoors. So we're just sitting in the park with like a, a, a dorks, so, like a couple so of dorks. Just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> this is what people do like 30 years into marriage. Yeah. Like they go to a park and they sit and they feed birds. But you know then, what I mean? But then we're like, it's kind of nice because at the end of the day, like you're not intoxicated. You're midday. So you get to see what the person really looks like. You don't have alcohol to make you a little bit looser. So you kind of get to see, okay, do we, are we at least comfortable yeah, enough? Yeah. I think the pandemic really made people, I don't know. I mean, aware of what their future with somebody might be like. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's, let's bring, bring in on Dr. So Garcia to, to tell us where things are going. Yeah. Amongst all the singles. Cool. Justin Garcia is the executive director of the Kinsey Institute, which we are privileged enough to work with. Uh, and and coincidentally, Dr. Garcia was actually our first guest ever, ever. Yes. on Exapeel. So welcome back. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be back. And it's an honor. I get uh, a double honor I get to that. I get, that I get to come and see you both again. Uh, <laughs> and thanks. I love the messages you're and the conversations you're having with people about our relationships and how important yes. they are and complicated and uh, satisfying and, and weird. Uh, yes. And all of those things at once. And you guys, you guys have the fun job of researching all of it. Uh, so tell me you have the singles in America study that you do every year. First of all, tell me what that is. Sure. So, um, so um, most of the time my lab is here at the Kinsey Institute. I'm actually <laughs> here right now, um, which is on the Indiana university campus. And, uh, for 75 years, the Institute has explored different aspects of people's romantic and sexual lives. And then one of the big projects that we do in my lab is called Singles in America. And for 11 years now, we've been working with Match, Match.com, on understanding the attitudes and behaviors of U.S. singles. So there's um, well over a third of the adult population, over 100 million adults that are single at any given time, people moving in and out of romantic and sexual relationships. Okay. For over a decade, we've really been trying to better understand who those singles are and their attitudes, their behaviors, um, what's changing and what's staying the same in courtship, dating, singlehood. And is single means non-married or or people that are in, like in a two-year relationship, they're considered, sing they're not single? That's a, uh, a really important methodological <laughs> point. So in our study, we um, so what we do is we survey about 5,000 people and they're not people who necessarily are on match. So they're people, it's a, a national, what we call a demographically representative sample. So we use a third party company. We define single as being um, unmarried, not engaged, not cohabiting with a romantic partner. Um, so you could be casually dating um, one or more people, but you're not in a committed long-term relationship. Okay. But it's an important point because actually a lot of times when we look at government data, the census defines single as just being unmarried. Right. Um, so, so it's it, so often people will get very different statistics and numbers depending on what, okay, what population they're talking about. Okay. So somebody who's been in a relationship for two years but don't necessarily live together, they're not considered single, according to um, you guys. So if they they're living together, no, they're not. <laughs> if they're not living together but they're in a committed relationship for like two years, for example. Yeah, we would say that they're partnered, so that partner. we wouldn't consider yeah. them single. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So these are people who are just casually dating yeah. or fully single and aren't dating anybody. Exactly. All right. Well, that's very, very important to know. And I feel like, you know, you can take the rules of dating or the laws of dating and just throw them out the window over the last 18 months because oh, yeah. 
you know, things are so dramatically different. So from, from the last Singles in America study that you did to this one, what's the biggest change? Oh, gosh. So we, uh, so the last one we did right in the peak of the pandemic, and mm-hmm. there was, um, it was really interesting. The big story was, was, of course, at the time that people were having less sex, right? really the immediate impact of COVID uh, was this decrease in sexual frequency. And we saw that in other studies at the Kinsey Institute. We saw it, saw it in our Singles in America data. Overall, these declines in sexual frequency, so people were having less sex, they were also reporting the quality of their sex life was lower overall. Um, and I think what was what was happening, but what was interesting is that in some of our data, people were adding to their repertoires. So although they were having less sex, they were adding other new things. But when we looked carefully at what those were, a lot of them were for the first time ever talking to a partner about your sexual fantasies, um, using sex toys. Early on, sex toy sales actually were on the rise. Wow. Um, so they weren't necessarily things that were really kind of wild in terms of adding to repertoires. A lot of it was I mean, which I think is really interesting. So some couples or people who are even casually dating had never really turned to someone else and said, you know, this is something I've always wanted to try. Uh, so that was a, people were bored. Well, exactly. You know, it's funny you say that. I, we, I, uh, well, sometimes we'll interview couples, even when we do big data collections, single people and couples to make sure we're asking the right questions and, and what other things we, we want to think about when we design a survey. And I talked to this one married woman who's uh, in her early 30s. She has two kids. And she said, well, during COVID, my husband and I started having sex in the shower. Um, and I thought like, oh, well, that's an interesting, you know, innovation. And is it because it was fun or it was thrilling? And she said, no, it's because the only time we had four minutes by ourselves was in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> that made me rethink some of the data. In terms by of- the way, sex in the shower is really not dangerous. what it's advertised it's, in it movies. It is not as sexy as people Oh, it's so difficult it's difficult i have i have fallen uh face first really yes absolutely oh, i'm like scary. yeah super scary i know people have broken broken yeah bones, i'm sure like you, need, you need a yeah. big shower with a seat thing yeah, yeah exactly. you need to have the good like i've tried laying down so that you know i could be laying and, and she could be on top of me and just i'm in, in water no right. in the shower and i'm just getting water. like chuck water I'm way too long anyways. And then, so it, gets, my, and then it gets like no. too hot and you feel like you're going to pass out and it's just yeah. not. Yeah. And also yeah. you women, you guys want like boiling shower and then yeah. us, we're just like, can we get it a little warmer? Less warm, anymore. please. Cause it, yeah. it's burning right now. Yeah. You know? so, but, but we digress. Okay. So it's not a great lubricant. Either. It's uh, not, <laughs> so, so people were ex- maybe doing a little more experimenting. Yeah. Uh, during COVID and, but in like a, in a, I guess the best way they could, you know, yeah. I guess it's true because they had their kids 24, 27. Yeah. So it's true that you get no time. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and overall these declines were happening though, in terms of sexual behaviors and frequencies as the, as the larger pattern. So that's what we saw early on. And one way we thought of that is that so many people, and I think when we talked last time, so many people were really freaked out about the environment around them that, I mean, there's so many deaths, there was the economy, there was what was happening at work and school. That's not conducive to mating psychology, right? When the you, oh. when a building's on fire, you don't stop for a conversation. It's not, yeah. fear is not conducive for sociality, no less mating or, or sex or, or being intimate. So so then for this for this next year, we said, okay, we've been in this thing a little bit longer and what can we capture in the last few months with our new data collection um, that might've changed? and so to Jen's original question, what's changed? Something really interesting is emerging in this year's data. And that's that 
um, it's sort of this emotional leveling up that we're seeing among single Americans. Um, it's, it's a, it's, I, I'm cautious about saying growing up because it is people of all age groups, but this emotional maturity um, that I think is really interesting. So for instance, we ask people what you're looking for in a long-term partner. And we know attraction is always in there and humor is in there. But um, what's really boiled to the top this year is someone who I can trust and confide in. 84% of singles said that what they want most in a partner is someone they can trust and confide in. Wow. As uh, opposed to what they say last time. Uh, the higher, what was higher last time was so physically attracted. So in 2020, oh, 90% wow. in 2020 said physically attractive. This year, only 78% said physically attractive because people were just prioritizing. They could choose multiple options, but we're prioritizing more trust, communication, someone who can communicate their wants and needs, someone who's open-minded open and accepting. Um, so it's just what we're, what we're even looking for among samples of singles appears to be different. I, I feel like that a lot of that comes from trauma. Like, because if yeah. you've gone through a traumatic experience, like a pandemic where it's isolating and you're unsure, you've lost your job, yeah. you know, you've gone through this like emotional roller coaster that comes with something that's so unprecedented, you're, you're looking for somebody who you can share that experience with and trust that they're not going to like bail on you or yeah. stay by your side. That's so interesting. And also probably, you know, your like loneliness hits you. Yeah. Because now it's yeah. like everything's closed. Bars are closed. Even like when the pandemic was really like when everybody was freaking out. Yeah. We weren't even seeing our boys. Like I wasn't even seeing my guy friends. It's because right, like, you know, we never know. We never know. It's too complicated. And if we do, we'd be like outside and stuff. So right. I could see how like it, it could make people realize that they they want a partner. Yeah. What, do you, what can you attribute to that? Yeah, I, I actually I think both of I think what you said are, is right. It's one of the things behavioral scientists will sometimes call post-traumatic growth. Um, and sometimes people, a lot of us know about this, um, sometimes things like cancer patients. After mm. a really difficult time, they'll re experience some emotional growth afterwards. Yeah. They'll say, this has changed my relationships or my life outlook in really positive ways. Um, and I think that is, it was this global trauma that we all experienced. Even if you personally didn't have um, death or you weren't sick or just the world around us is shaking mm -hmm. up. I, mean, I think Julian, like you said, I've become like ready to get together with my buddies again and right. And yeah. to do some of that, our lives have changed so much that now for me, uh, by training, I'm an evolutionary biologist. And one of the things I often think about is why did relationships evolve in the first place? Why do we have these intense bonds? And in, in many ways, what we're seeing is the very reason that the sort of intense romantic relationships evolved in our ancestors over 4 million years ago. Yeah. And that was to weather uncertainty, to have close partners that we can handle predators, stress, different environments, different food availability, that we could kind of raise a family uh, as a unit mm -hmm. to, to get through the, the dangerous, complex world. Now, for the last few thousand years, the world's been more stable in many ways with industrialization and civilization. Um, and we experience this massive traumatic event. And we're, what we're seeing is people leaning towards intimate relationships. If you're single, you sort of want them. If you're in relationships. Now, the story of married people was close to 80 percent of married people in other data have said that the relationships actually improved during this pandemic year. Really? Because we always hear stories yeah. about how marriages have been falling apart. People get and sick like, of each and other. People getting, yeah, people getting separated after four yeah. years just because like they can't take the partner. So I was about, literally about to ask. I'm like... It's interesting. And I think what we see is... So you see some cases, like when when you were talking to Dr. Zoe Peterson, these some cases of domestic violence or, or 
relationships that they really struggled during the pandemic. Yeah. Those, those things, issues got exacerbated. And some people who had problems, they were like, it was like light through the cracks, as, as my colleague Esther Perel says, right? That you really could start to see these problems. But for most people, we leaned on our partners. The very reason that we form partnerships in the first place, right. that's social support. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people had positive experiences in their relationships. And for singles, they started to value their close networks, their very close friends, um, maybe their closest colleagues, and then prioritizing. And I think that's what really we're seeing in the data, prioritizing forming close romantic partnerships um, to not have to go through this kind of stuff without that, that type of intimate support. Yeah, it's like a tribal kind of, you know, know. very primitive attitude that we all have. Where it's like we lean on each other. Yeah, and it's funny how like not being able to see people face to face and then like be close to people actually makes you crave it more, and then it just reflects in your relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. now that's what you want. You don't uh, you don't want the hot girl anymore. You want somebody who's like, oh, can I depend on them? Like, can I have, actually have a bond with them? So it's yeah. yeah, in terms of what we're looking for whenever we go on these like first or second dates. Yeah, exactly. So. And- the, the other the other thing that I I had these I've been having these conversations with my single girlfriends and I'm like, you know, it, especially this past summer, I thought it might be a tough time to find somebody who's willing to settle down because we've just been through this like massive lockdown, prolonged lockdown. And who is going to want to, you know, yeah. lock themselves down again in a, in a long-term relationship. Just fun and- so yeah, like the term fuck boy came into, you know, play a lot, you know, this is going to be like the summer of fuck boys. Like, you know, people who don't Wasn't know what like they, hot, hot girl summer too. Yeah, something? exactly. People who just don't take this, this, you know, dating game seriously mm-hmm. and they're just looking to have a good time and maybe not commit. But is that something that, that you saw as well, or you, you seem to be saying it's the opposite where people are actually looking to find somebody who they can settle down with. Yeah. And I, and I love it because I think in many ways, that's what we predicted, right? It was going to be the hot vac summer and the slutty summer. And the. Um, <laughs> and I think there, there was a period at which we saw this sort of um, sort of debauchery a little bit at the very start. Cause it was just like, Oh, we can be out again. We can see our friends again. We can go to a bar again. Um, but what we what we see in the data, at least in our data, and I think in some of the other data sets, is not really this. Uh, you know, early people were saying, "Is it going to be like after the the, um, the Spanish flu, and there's going to be the Roaring Twenties?" And right, yeah. And we don't see that in the data. What we see is so. As one data point, for instance, that I really love is sixty two percent of all singles of every demographic say they're more interested in finding a meaningful, committed relationship um, than than in the past. And when we look at the age generations. Right. This isn't something that um, you, a lot of people suspect. Oh, maybe it's maybe that's older people because they what they what we've they've been at higher risk. Turns out, eighty one percent of Gen Z and seventy six percent of millennials say that they do not want to remain single for over the next year. So there really is only eleven percent of singles in our sample say they want to date casually. The rest want to find connection. Gen Z is uh, that's people who are younger than us. So yeah. what, what year are they born? Uh, it depends on on how you characterize it, but Gen Z are generally people in their sort of twenties, the TikTok generation. So the one that get offended by everything. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Gen Z. They want to be offended together. They want to be offended with somebody Cancels. else. Yeah. Cancel culture. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we even see that with current college generations, which some people are calling, you know, the Zoomers, as a um, with people who are quite young now, mm-hmm. and it's um, their their desire for connection is a lot different. I think about my. 
um, nieces who were, you know, on a college campus and they, the first year that they were in these dorms by themselves, they couldn't really go out and they, um, you know, yeah. the, you, we wore masks to stay safe, but also we're a social mammal and not seeing people's facial expressions. And, and you know, we when someone smiles, that brings us joy in return because yeah. that's part of the way we communicate. Right. Um, and it's just been such an interesting time for us psychologically and behaviorally. A lot of people, the, the data really seems to support people leaning in towards close connection, close relationships, much more than casual sex or partying. Yeah. You know, when, um, I mean, you know about this, when uh, this year, like in the end of 2020, I got a, a virus from a mosquito. Oh. It's called chikungunya, also oh. like similar to dengue. And then uh, in October, well, beginning of November, end of October is when I met the girl that I was with and I started having um, post-infectious, really bad, like rheumatoid arthritis symptoms that I still have. Yeah. And it makes me think of what you said about the, the trauma, because the fact that I had someone throughout all of it, mm -hmm. that was just, you know, understanding, helping out and like just helping me all that stuff. I think it made my relationship with her so much deeper. Yeah. yeah. And it, it made the whole thing so easy. It might right. be much easier than if I would have been single. Because you think if you can weather this, you can weather anything. And yeah, yeah and you're just like, man, like this, you, you realize that it's really, really meaningful. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's any coincidence, really, that like I, I am now pregnant and living with <laughs> this guy who I met, you know, last September. I just think that I was, you know, in a place where like I was, I was ready. We had, we had all been through. So, yeah, already so a lot. much. And then, you know, you find somebody who who you find is going to be supportive and yeah. will will be there for you. And like your worst moments, your most uncertain moments. Mm -hmm. And like you see the value in that. Yeah, and I don't think we saw that. the value in that yeah. until maybe this had happened. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that I makes know. a lot of sense. And I think that uh, I love the stories you're both sharing because it really is thinking about people who can be there, who can be supportive. I think Julian used help the word someone who helped more than once is is that's exactly what I mean. How many of us three years ago uh, were dating someone and made a joke of like, well, you know, will they really be there if I need them? Well, we all yeah. needed someone this last year. It was yeah. the test, and um, I think that that finding that, finding that person that will stay there, that is committed, that will support. That. And the, the interesting thing in the behavioral science literature is that that's sexy, right? We don't often think of it. Yes. We often think yes. of like, you know, oh, they're going to help. And that's, you know, but I want someone who's going to get me excited and go dancing. But what really turns us on, what turns the human brain on is that sense of commitment and trust and communication. That's sexy to us. I have to say yeah. that is that is something. And Jared and I, my boyfriend, just had this conversation like a couple of days ago. I said, and, you know, he's been talking about you're in the entertainment industry and like, you know, you you're around hot guys all the time. And I said, yeah, but what you have to understand is what I'm looking for, what I see value in now. And this has only changed really maybe over the last couple of years um, is somebody who's responsible and loyal and dedicated and and all those you know things that that make for a long-term partnership trustworthy you know someone who i can communicate with and not not judgmental compassionate all those deeper deeper things that yeah. maybe i hadn't seen before yeah oh, yeah that makes sense oh i love it i love it and i think and i think what's interesting is jen what you're describing is what a lot of us uh, have had in our own lives, but what we're really seeing in the data is this focus on getting to know partners, 
Um, yeah. and getting to know that stuff, to learn that stuff from someone. So in our uh, in our study this year, in the in the Singles in America study with Match from this year, only about seven out of ten people said that they um, wanted to have sex before the first date. So I'm sorry, only less than seven out of ten said they wanted to wait more than the third date before having sex. So yeah. majority, majority of people are saying, I really want to get to know a partner. The numbers on things like hookups and casual sex are down, both in terms of the interest in it and the actual behavior. I spent the first part of my career writing about casual sex and how people kind of experience hookup culture and behavior and what when it turned into relationships, when it didn't, how the, the psychological yeah. outcomes. What's remarkable for me is after writing about it for so many years and studying it for so many years, now to have this data where people are saying, oh, I'm really not not that interested in things like I'm interested in more, you know, the, the three day the three date rule is back and getting to know people. Um, so because like they don't want to waste their time then it, it does have anything because no, you're trying to you're trying to figure out if this person yeah, is going to be a long term partner. Could be actually long-term, but like also them. could it could it could have been also influenced by just general fear of catching covid i think so i think that's part of it I, that it's we all recognize that the more partners you have the more sort of exposed you are and i think yeah. it's not just covid i think we a lot of us think like i i haven't stopped using gloves when i put gas in my car right and it's like i think it's not just yeah. covid it's just i think like oh there's so much garbage on now, now we're just yeah, hyper aware of how, the, yeah, the germs dirty. everywhere mm -hmm. yeah and i think we're just more aware of thinking about things like not just sexually transmitted infections but other kind of and and to what end right now there are certainly still people in our samples and others that are having lots of casual sex they're enjoying it they're finding ways to do it safely but a lot of people are asking themselves to what end if i'm going to go out and hook up what's the end goal mm. yeah is that stopping me from having meaningful connections and the bottom line is there's only so many hours in the day. And if you're focusing your energy and your sort of emotional and psychological energy on, on getting ready for hookups and casual sex, and, and that can be, you don't realize the degree to which that can prevent you from forming meaningful connections. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and also the, it prevents you from, you know, the thing about courtship is it's always a two-way dance. It's what you're putting out on what you're trying to get and what other people are receiving from you, what they're learning from you. If they see you out and just hooking up, well, they're going to be less interested because they say, you don't have time. You're busy doing that. And you're very well are picking up pathogens from all the people you made out with last week. Right. Yeah. I've heard my girlfriend say that, too. Like, if he's just going to hook up with me for one night, what else is he doing with other people? Yeah. And now I'm going to catch something from him. But isn't there isn't there. OK, so I, I understand from like the, the pathogen standpoint, but there's also this. Isn't this thing, though, about like, oh, my God, like, you know, he has he she has all these options, but that's the one I want. There's also this thing, no, like this kind of like I can't get him or get her, and oh, you mean like a competition? Yeah, or, or... I, I feel I feel like I've I've heard I, I've only mostly heard like from a woman's standpoint that like like guys usually if a girl has a lot of partners and she's kind of out and about they don't want it, but like I've 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 heard that girls like oh the fact that he is not that into it makes them want him try even harder more and, and try and harder and more. be like, I can grab him. I can change him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so it goes a bit both ways though. But I also think it's like you're heaping trauma on trauma. Like that we've been through so much, like over the last like year and a half, why would you, it's also exhausting. Like the whole uh, yeah. idea of dating it, it itself outside of a pandemic is exhausting. But then, you know, you add, we've, we've just like, we don't have the bandwidth anymore. I think 
to go out and try all these new different personalities. Yeah. I could see how it just removes the whole like you, you have less less time for bullshit. Yeah, less time like, for bullshit. That's exactly. I think that's yeah. that's part of it too. I don't know. Would you agree? No, absolutely. I think that people are prioritizing their time. They want to be. They're, they're, we're being cautious. It's what my colleague Helen Fisher and I um, have written about in, in terms of what we call slow love. Helen coined this term, slow love, is that people are spending more time getting to know partners today. Um, they want to. You know, for our parents' generation and our grandparents' generation, marriage was the the, um, the often the start of a close relationship. You maybe didn't date very long, you got married, um, and then you started to build a life and get to know Grow together. Family. Yeah, that's true. For our generation, we think of it as the finale, right? We we want to do it after you know everything about someone before you yeah. even think about it. It makes more sense to me that way. What? <laughs> marriage is the grand finale? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, from from where from our generational standpoint, sure. Yeah, because um, imagine you know you, you just you get married to somebody and then you 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 have to like get to know them and then you realized oh, or this is not for me. Yeah, I, I do think something culturally is has changed big time. But also, uh, I guess in back in the day, like if it, you had to just stick with it. Yeah, right. There was that. There was that whole attitude of like just just hunker down and oh, and no miserable. matter what and sickness that's and health miserable. and mm-hmm. you know you just you made your decision like now you're going to stick with it and i just think that culturally now that's so different where now it's like if it doesn't work out everyone's talking about their own failures and their own setbacks and divorces and separations and whatever it might be and their own feelings we're way more comfortable now talking about our feelings mm-hmm. <laughs> than we ever were during even our parents' generation. Yeah, and I think that's the part that's gonna be really interesting as we watch over the next few years and decades. And is it, have we just seen, have we, have we all watched this sort of major shift in the way that we talk about our emotional well-being, the way we support ourselves and each other and what we look mm-hmm. for um, in partners is this idea of someone who um, can sort of uh, support us or help, help us be our best selves. It's a sort of interesting moment. So do you think this means we're evolving as oh. a single culture? Well, it seems like we're going back to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just because you're going back doesn't mean you're not evolving. I think I feel like mm-hmm. over the last, you know, few years or, you know, since like the, the evolution of apps and the emergence of, of dating apps and everything, I think we've taken a colossal step back when it comes to the way we're able to relate to each other. This I think is a lot more mature and, uh, and sophisticated, even though it's something, it's kind of like an anachronism, right? Like we're, we're kind of taking things back to how it used to be a little bit. Yeah. And I think there's a lot, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And I think, but it's a mix, right? So we know that apps and websites are now the most common way for singles to meet a partner Mm -hmm. um, and a, a romantic partner. But what a lot of people described on those platforms was difficulty really getting to know someone. Yeah. Well, what happened in the last year is because, in part, because mostly because of the pandemic, almost all of the major dating apps now have a video chat feature. And yeah. what we see in video chat is that really high numbers of people use it. And actually, not only high numbers have used it, and in our data, more than half have said they've fallen in love with someone over a video chat. Wow. And I wow. Think that's, you know, so technologies are, on the one hand, they're, they're problematic and they're difficult. On the other hand, they're enabling us to connect, and it's an opportunity. Um, they come with challenges, but I think it's also, that's changing. Like, I'm convinced, actually, that video dating is a new part of the courtship process, and of it's here to stay. 
Yeah, we we, uh, we 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 actually did an episode about an app that's just about that. But I, I and I also feel it has to do something with the generation because I've heard multiple times, and I think it's Gen Z mm-hmm. that it is now for their um, how do we call that? Their their uh, for that group of people, not being on Instagram is now cool. Not having. I was I was hoping that we would get to that place. So maybe it's also them being like, okay, this whole millennial hookup, we're on Instagram, and this is not what we want, right? Yeah. And well, it's like record players. Yeah. So (laughs) vinyl's cool again. How it's like you know, in person is cool again. Being able to communicate face to face is cool again, and like you know, getting yourself off of the apps or or not apps, but like you know, just getting yourself off of digital uh, is going to be cool again. And, and, and that and that could make sense then because you, you so. have you have a rise in, in in people wanted a deeper connection plus people being over the apps and over social media and I guess it could explain also why they're they're wanting deeper connection like it, mm-hmm. you could see that yeah and I think the degree I mean what's interesting is the degree to which we use technology to get access to information um, is is totally new for for the human animal but. Um, and the way we can kind of understand the world around us, navigate it, navigate the world, and communicate with people. Exactly to your point, though, the issue is: are we using those same technologies to sort of be a bonus for our social behavior, mm-hmm. or to replace it? And when we're using it for social interaction, we see in this, like in other studies, there's been reports of young people, in particular, suffering from pretty high rates of depression, yeah. psychological loneliness. Yeah. Um, part of that is probably we don't. You know, as part of being a social mammal, we occasionally like to touch, we hug, we we kiss, we um, want to hear people's voice in person and see people and smell people. And that's a legacy I don't think we'll shake anytime soon. Um, so the, but what we're learning, exactly as you're both saying, I think is learning these how to use these technologies to leverage the technologies to amplify our lives, but not to replace that social interaction. Study mm-hmm. after study shows it really isn't a good replacement for that close, you know, that face-to-face interaction. Well, how do you make sure that happened? Like, who, you know, what's the factor that says it? You don't want to be too reliant on it, I guess. Because yeah. it seems like sometimes you're like, oh man, technology is going to ruin our, ruin us, our you know, like species. And then it seems like also we're smart enough to know how to use it. But then you're like, oh no, actually we're not because now more and more people are depressed. But then you're like, oh no, but look, because now we're finding ways to connect uh, through video. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, I think it's finding that balance, right? So on the one hand, I could go on an app and say, hey, let's go to a movie tonight. I just found a movie and here's the theater and I ordered the tickets and and I just did it all on my phone in the last three minutes. Yeah. So we can do that. But then the question becomes, then are we going to go to dinner and a movie and and not be buried in your phone during the dinner? So Mm -hmm. finding that balance of using it to help our lives and maybe even finding fun activities that you can do with people, but not to fully replace it. that's the challenge. I don't think, I mean, everyone's really still trying to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. It's still and so I think it's up to the individual too, because there's a responsible way of using every piece of technology. You just, you have to set limits for yourself and figure out what a healthy way of you using it is. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think particularly for people who are single or in new relationships, using those technologies to do things like, you know, texting good morning or sending, or here's an article that made me think of you. That that that's a more thoughtful engagement. Yeah. Then, um, you know, it shows that I was thinking about you. I read this. It made me think about what you do for work or what you're interested in. And right. To, to, to use them to really make a, a meaningful connection with someone. 
I don't send articles, but I send TikToks. Yeah, perfect. So it's completely, completely different. Yeah, really? you, you, you learn a lot from TikToks too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. But it's like, what do you think? What What did you think I was gonna say? I thought you were gonna say TikToks or like so, something oh, like TikToks. something like. So I thought no, I thought was gonna come out like a dick, no. and I was like, I don't I've, know I've, where he's going. He always thought the COVID glow up. No more TikToks. No, I actually I like never that. liked those. I never liked those. I always thought that guys' nudes are hideous. Compared no, to it's, it's yeah, compared to women's nudes, it's like a it's, it's like kind of like, like boom, looking at a picture is. of like a it's mushroom. Like, like know, okay, like, like all right, is. okay, I got it, I got it. You have one, thank you. Because and so you get you like you, you know you know like you know how to make it sexy. Well, the as female a, as body. This is like this is a, such yeah. a Seinfeld uh-huh. quote, but it's like Elaine back in the day. She said she was like you know the female body. It's a work of art. The male body. It's utilitarian. It's for oh, getting around. Wow. It's like a jeep. <laughs> well, so, and i think how we how we display them and what they offer right it's yeah uh, exactly yeah yeah no for sure but i digress um <laughs> so yeah i mean I, I i feel like that's to me that's the biggest surprise is is knowing that people are now looking for meaningful relationships after being locked down uh so cuffing season mm-hmm. has turned into cuffing i season? don't know it's like a new era I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hopefully it's fixed. Yeah. Hopefully it lasts. Do you think it's going to last, or what? What do you think? Where do you see things going? So, I mean, I think I think the the way people are using technology is different. So, I think more people are saying that they're using, like, in among singles at least that are dating, they're using tech to try and do vibe checks with a partner. Um, you know, trying to see even using video to get a sense of whether we can go on more dates. All the signs point to people really, f- at least among singles, more than a hundred million of them in the United States focusing more on connecting and those connections. I don't think sex, I mean, people aren't going to stop having casual sex, no. particularly younger people, um, but but also older people, people moving out of relationships. I, I don't think that's going to change. I don't think infidelity is going to change. There's a whole lot of aspects of our sexual lives that probably the numbers might wax and wane as they always have throughout history. Yeah. Um, but I think we're seeing a moment of a little bit more focus on, on commitment. And, and in some ways, I think, Jen, what you were saying before was, you know, it kind of felt like we were in this hookup generation or moment that there was a little bit of paranoia around it. Yeah. Even. Um, I think that's sort of passing. I think what's going to be interesting is 20 years from now, we're going to say there was this moment um, that that came and went. It might come again, but I'm seeing. So you're hopeful. Yeah. It seems like you're hopeful then. Yeah, I'm yeah. very optimistic. I'm optimistic about the state of relationships. I think, I mean, I think even the way that the technologies have advanced to make it easier to connect and learn more. Um, I mean, yeah, even a lot of the apps. Easy. As the as our dating habits are evolving, so are the, the dating apps. Yeah. yeah we're shifting toward video and like that interpersonal right. connection. Yeah. And they have clients that they have to, you know, I think there's often a sense that the apps want you to stay on them forever. At least in my experience working with with the folks at Match, the goal is really to have a platform that helps people connect, and then they do their thing. They do what the human brain does, is, is try and form a relationship. Um, right. It's sort of not good for business to be on it all the time. They want to be able to demonstrate that you make a connection. Yeah. Um, and the more that that it happens, but in the, there's always going to be people who are single at any time. But it's not just, I mean, it's the video chats, but also just being more thoughtfully engaged. So we know... A lot of them now might give you a short menu of, you know, your top picks for the day, um, getting you to read those profiles more carefully. That's all 
trying to make the human brain slow down a little bit because we yeah. know that part of the problem with the technologies is too much information, too much data, yeah. and people have a hard time choosing. Sometimes what we call cognitive overload. You have too many choices, mm -hmm. you have a hard time choosing. Yeah, I agree. And that can become its own addiction, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole swiping culture can become an addiction. Yeah. It's, it's funny, there was a baby name app that I that I signed up for, and it's it's based on swiping. <laughs> So, so you you sign up for it your partner signs up for it and if you if you're a match that it goes into oh, you guys both heart each other they're the name cool though and it goes into a queue so that just goes to show you yeah swipe culture is real but man dr garcia yeah. you're always a wealth of information it's fascinating to talk to you about this stuff you're absolutely the you and the work that you do are brilliant at the kinsey institute let me tell you thanks so much well it's great i always enjoy seeing you both and and getting to talk about this stuff uh, there's a lot. There's a lot happening in our romantic and sexual lives. It's, uh, yeah, and we're gonna have you back on. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, obviously, Kinsey's become like a huge resource for us. And and every single time we, sure. we learn something new and fascinating. So thank you for being a part of it. Well, um, where can we uh, where can we find you then online for people that want to know more? Or sure. So my my personal handles are Dr. Justin Garcia on Instagram and Twitter. And then uh, I encourage folks also to look at the Kinsey Institute on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, we've also been doing a lot more on our Instagram with posting about, uh, we do a research brief once a week from one of our studies. So the Kinsey faculty published, a, a, you know, well over a hundred articles a year, academic articles, and we try and make that, um, understandable to people of different backgrounds. You don't have to be mm -hmm. a scientist to know what we do in our labs. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we also, the Kinsey collection has a large amount of erotic artwork and we've been putting... Um, a piece from our uh, collection on Instagram every Wednesday. So we have called Art Wednesday. Oh, oh I love that. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. And actually, Julian coming up soon as a French, this wonderful French photographer we have in our collection. I'm, I'm trying to push our curator to post. Really? Yeah. So What's his name? Um, uh, her name's Bettina Reams, and uh, it's really okay. beautiful pieces. I'll, I'll text you one. Anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> love to see that. Love that. Great. All well, right. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks again for coming on. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> That was great. Yeah, that was great. Every fun. every single time it comes on, I always learn something new. I know, and it gives me hope. Are you are you hopeful after having this conversation? Honestly, I am. I, I think so. I, I am. Uh, I think it's. I think it's pretty neat. Yeah, I, I do. I think it says that we've evolved. We're we're evolving as a dating culture, and and hopefully that'll that'll lead to even better things, like maybe the divorce rate declining, and and you know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, for sure. Well, as always, if you have any questions, DM X Appeal Podcast yep. on Instagram. And we will see you next week. See you next week. A Media Production.